Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Welcome back to the pastor's office. I'm so glad to have you here this evening. We just came out of worship, and and one thing I can tell you is that uh, I never, ever take the assembling of the saints for granted. Uh, If there's nothing else we have learned from this pandemic, uh, uh, I've learned to cherish every day and every experience to fellowship one with the other. Uh, It's so important. It's so meaningful. And as I continue to watch our members, you know, work their way back to the sanctuary, uh, work their way back to in-person worship, uh, I swear to you, it, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing to see uh, people feeling comfortable. Uh, now, let's be clear, we've still got a long way to go. I was looking at numbers today. Uh, the United States, uh, we're at 63% of the population uh, right now that has received at least one dose of the vaccine. Uh, that's not good. That's not good, especially with the variants that are popping up. Uh, and, and let's be clear, uh, 63% of Americans, but when we start to look at communities of color, that number decreases significantly. So we've got to make sure that we're doing what we can to fight back, with this pandemic, and continue to take life back to some sense of normalcy. All right, all right. We've got a great guest to start off the show today. Share something with you. I always tell you that one of the great experiences of my life was from July of 2013 to July of 2017. I had the honor and the privilege of serving as the international president of the greatest fraternity in all the land, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. If you need more information about it, uh, I might fall into it here in a second. Found it on the campus of Howard University, January 9th, 1940. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me get back to what I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, I had the great opportunity to serve as international president of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity. And as president, uh, we had a number of great partners, number of great organizations that we worked with to bring about meaningful change in our communities. And one of the organizations that we were privileged to work with was the Urban League. Urban League has been making a difference in our communities for a long time. Uh, Their their president and CEO of the national body, Mark Moriel, uh, focuses a great deal of his energy on economic impact in the black community. Uh, We had an opportunity to have him at several of our events. Uh, So I am a believer in the mission of the Urban League. I am a believer 
in the teams across the country that execute that mission. And so it is my privilege and my honor today to welcome into the pastor's office the president and CEO of the Philadelphia Urban League, Miss Andrea Custis. Miss Andrea Custis, welcome into the pastor's office. Thank you, Reverend Mason. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk to your listeners. So I am ecstatic this evening. Well, well, we're glad to have you, and I'm going to refer to you, if you don't mind, as Madam President. Uh, because oh, no, I title. love that. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's the title you've earned, uh, and we want to use that. So, Madam President, here's what I want to do. For those of our Philly's favorite listeners who, who may not, it's hard to believe, but there are some, who may not mm-hmm. be affiliated or know about the Urban League, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization? Okay, so... First of all, I am so proud and honored to be in this position. Um, We are true servants of our community. We are a 104-year-old civil rights organization, so we've been here a while. And for those of you who were paying attention uh, in history class, you will know that there was a great migration, and that's when the slaves were set free, and many of them believed that they could have a better life if they went north. So that's why we have something that was called the Great Migration. And as they moved up north and went to different cities, whether it was Baltimore or Richmond or um, Philadelphia or New York, when they got to each of those areas, what they then faced were challenges. And so think about if you were a slave and you're going north, so just some basic things you worried about is, where am I going to live? Where will my kids go to school? What kind of job can I get based on what I've been doing? So those were the things that they worried about. It was it's troublesome. You come into a big city and think about what those challenges were. So there were two people um, who founded um, the, the Urban League. And those were two people. One was a white female and one was a brother. And they decided, very similar to most of you, that I'm not going to sit back and eat bonbons. I'm going to make a difference and figure out how can I assist and help these individuals who have moved north to have a better life. And that's how we were founded. So when people say real quick, give me the elevator speech real, real fast. What's your mission? I say two things social justice, and economic empowerment. And what do I mean by that? Social justice is absolutely advocating, and I use the word fight, advocating and fighting for things like this, family-sustaining wages. In the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, see the $7.25 or $7.50, that is a travesty. Who can live off of those wages. So we say minimally it should be $15, and we've not been able to get that through. I had an opportunity to talk to the governor um, twice in one month with my board chair, Keith Bethel, and with um, with Reverend Waller from Enon, and we wanted to make sure the governor, as he was doing his budget, was clear about 
what things are important to us. So we ask for that. Another area, and for all of you mom and dads and grandmothers and grandfathers and, and those of you who are foster parents, you know and I know that it is absolutely a disgrace when you look at education funding for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I'm going to talk specifically about Philadelphia. Why is it that when I go into schools, and this is not a doctor height issue, there's no blame here. This has been for decades where you could go into a city, uh, into this city, into a school, and they are funded half of what a school that would be out in Lower Marion or on the main line. Right. That 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 you, we have to do something better than that. And I'll tell you, as a civil rights leader, how I how I define systemic racism. It's when you know there's an issue and you do nothing about it. And we've had this issue for decades and decades. And as many of you know, there is a lawsuit going on right now where we are absolutely going after and suing those individuals who have made those decisions not to fund um, uh, schools that are in poverty, and I call that a lack of equity and shame on us, shame on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and Harrisburg for permitting that to happen over and over. That is ridiculous. We also are very clear when you say social justice, we fight for criminal justice reform. For any of you who have anybody, women or men, your relatives, friends that have been through the judicial system, you know and I know, you know and I know, and this one is a travesty, that there are two judicial systems in the United States of America. There is a judicial system for white individuals, and there is a judicial system for African Americans. There is two judicial systems, and you see it play out in the media in the United States all the time. You see it play out with our brothers with our brothers that are in prison. It is statistically impossible, impossible to have the number of black men that are in prison. So when you go in front of that judge, and that's the importance of voting, you better make sure it's not just a presidential election. You should have even as much concern about who you are putting in those jobs, your local DA, your, the judges that are in front of you. You need to make sure that you understand the importance. And the other one also, since we're talking about it, is voting. What we have seen since Trump left office and President Biden is in there, I would ask you to go do your homework like I did. There have been so many bills, almost 300, that have been in front of different states where it absolutely equates to voter suppression. Not let me make voting easier for everyone. I want everybody to vote. White, black, Asian, Latino, whoever you are, you get to participate in your democracy. I am a nonpartisan organization. I will never tell you who to vote for. What I will tell you is here are the issues and here's where the candidates are. So we absolutely don't sit there and support anybody in particular. What we support are the issues and how you're dealing with it. And then that equates to us who those candidates are. I tell people, if you didn't believe in the Affordable Care Act, you should have voted for Trump. If you don't believe in an increase in Pell's grants, then you need to vote for Trump. So when you look at that, 
you got to be real clear what your issues are. So there's so many social justice issues for us. Like we really have to stop the dysfunctionality of our parole and, and, and our probation system. I've never seen anything like it. I thought I understood. I am learning every day, doing my research, doing my homework, talking to legislators. We have a dysfunctional criminal justice system in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Please do some homework on that. And some of you don't have to do homework because you're part of it. You're living in it, right? And so um, that's another area for us that's critical. And the other area for us is to um, really pass the bills that deal with policing. Like we need to absolutely do a better job of training and teaching de-escalation and so on. And we need to, when people are guilty, to send them where they need to go. Anytime you commit a crime with a gun, I will tell you now what keeps me up at night right now, the number one issue, the number one area is gun violence. We are out of control here, and I, I beg Commissioner Outlaw, our DA Larry Krasner, and our mayor, Mayor Kenny, to get on the same page and to work together to have a plan to help bring down the amount of gun violence in this city. We look like we are absolutely trying to be a Chicago, and I talked to my peer out there, and we've talked about it, what they're doing to try to absolutely bring their numbers. I think so far this year, it's out of, we have 512 homicides. We're way far ahead of where we should be, and we still have a month left. So that's the, the advocacy. That's the fighting for social justice. And when I say economic empowerment, the Urban League has always been about economic empowerment. And what does that mean? That means lifting people out of poverty, giving people an opportunity for jobs. So if you look at the five services that we provide here at the Urban League of Philadelphia, we're right here on Broad Street. I'm looking out my window right now. We're like almost like on the corner of Sansom and and, and Broad Street. Um, What we do is, number one, and, and I come from a family, so this is personal for me, I believe other than love for your children, the greatest gift that you can give your child is education. It is a determinant on what will happen to you in life. It doesn't guarantee it, but I will tell you, if you look at all of the information, you will see when people are unemployed, it starts with people that are GED or high school, then it goes up to associate, then it goes up to Um, a bachelor's, then it goes up to a master's. You see the data that supports it. So education is critical, and we have to give that to our babies. And that's why I started off with that. Every child, every child deserves to work to their full potential and have uh, an opportunity to learn and to um, grasp the knowledge and the information that they need in order to be successful in life. So we're in the school system with Dr. Height, and we have an opportunity to do two things. Get the kids who are ready, the young men and women ready for college, and those that are not, get them ready, whether it's a trade school or whether it's working um, out in the workplace and helping them to prepare and get ready for jobs. So we absolutely our education. Another area for us is employment. I just said to you, how do you lift me out of poverty? How do you help me if you don't give me an opportunity to be employed? Let me also share with you 
of the homicides that have happened, as well as over 2,000 shootings, the people who are involved in that, they don't have jobs. I don't know about you, but I don't know too many people. In fact, I know none that get up and go to work every day that have time to pick up a gun and shoot somebody. So there you go. Education and employment is critical to this. So there's an example of what we need to continue to do in education. Another area, and I and I love this Madam area. President, is, Madam yes. President. Madam President, now, now uh, first of all, you're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 and 99.5 HD3. We are talking to the president and CEO of the Philadelphia Urban League. Uh, that's Madam President Andrea Custis. And listen, I don't typically let people go on for 10 minutes without interrupting, but, 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 but you were delivering a message that our listeners needed to hear about the issues that we're facing in Philadelphia right now. Let's peel back the onion on a couple things real quick because we have limited time. One okay. is education. Uh, uh, Dr. Height has been on this show numerous times. We've talked. Uh, I was so uh, disappointed to hear that he was going to be leaving us. Uh, uh, but the one thing that we could agree on is that this pandemic showed the inequity in education uh, as re uh, uh, when it comes down to what zip code these children are living in. Uh, 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 when, when, when the kids left school last year, many of them went home. They didn't have Internet. They didn't have laptops to tune in and be able to be on a Zoom and, and learn. You know, so, so, so we've been talking. I've talked to many of the uh, uh, representatives in Harrisburg, uh, many of the members of city council. You know, how do we even out the playing field? So that every child, no matter what their hue, has an opportunity uh, and a seat at the table of success. Tell us how the Urban League is advocating to make that happen. So we're doing um, a couple of things on um, education and in general, whether it's um, keeping people from being evicted. Um, let me just give you one little example of that. A month ago, there were 49,000 people who raised their hand that their landlord and them were not in agreement and they had already received what they thought was eviction notices. That went up in one month to 79,000 individuals. So when we talk about these issues, these are life and death issues. These are whether I'm living on the street or whether um, someone is helping me. My people in the housing department, they're all HUD-certified counselors. They've been on this 24 by 7. They are the ones that are negotiating with the tenant and with the landlord from stopping that um, from happening. So I can go into every area you can think of. And, Reverend, if I can just mention one more, we have an entrepreneurship center because everybody doesn't want to work for corporate America. Everybody doesn't want to work for a nonprofit organization. In the United States of America, as a result of COVID, 44% of black businesses, black-owned businesses, shuttered. That means they shut down compared to 17% of white-owned businesses. And there's only one reason why. It wasn't because we're not smart. It wasn't because we weren't doing all the right things. It wasn't for a lot of different reasons. There's one word. Talk to any of the black businesses that um, um, had to shutter. One word. It's called capital. Because 
we don't have the access to capital that we need. And that's how our white counterparts um, were able to keep their business. So the work that we do um, is, is relevant. It's focused on the community. And I thank you so much for opening us up this evening, talking about the pandemic and talking, talking about the importance of getting out there and getting that vaccine. That's for your family, for your friends, and for yourself. We're working every day to get that shot in the arm. So I, I beg you, I, I beg you to absolutely um, do that. I do. And if I can have a minute later or whenever, I know we're probably getting ready. Can I just talk one minute about the Whitney Young Luncheon, the Whitney Young Community Empowerment Luncheon? Well, well you, you are Matt. You are definitely Madam President because I, because you're, you are running this interview. Go right ahead. <laughs> okay. So for any of your listeners, um, we have um, our fundraiser, but it's not just a fundraiser. It is to honor individuals who have made a difference in the community. And as many of you know, and Reverend Mason definitely knows, he started off with um, knowing and talking about Mark Morial, who is the, na- the current National Urban League um, uh, president, uh, two-time mayor of New Orleans. Like he taught me how to say, it's not New Orleans, it's New Orleans. Uh, two-time mayor, as well as a state legislator, uh, a litigator by education and by training. You don't want to go into a courtroom with him. You won't be kids, ready to take And our, and our kids one. go to school together. So there you go. There you go. So Whitney Young also was a um, uh, the uh, president of the national organization. I think he was in, I think I'm right, from 1960 to 1971 when he passed. And so on December the 8th at the Lowe's Hotel, we're having our... Um, our luncheon, our Whitney Young luncheon from 11.30 to 1.30, and we're honoring several folks. The keynote speaker is going to be the former police commissioner, Charles Ramsey. Now, if I was talking to the young kids, I would say that's a bad, bad boy. He is amazing. He did great things here, so hopefully he will share some of that wisdom. And then we're honoring three other um, uh, organizations, people. One of them is Elder Melanie DeBose. She's the pastor of Evangel Chapel. She's um, in the North Philadelphia area. Um, The work that she does, she makes me cry. When I hug her, I want to cry because she has devoted her life to her community and especially the children. And then we're going to recognize Dilworth Paxson. You're going to go, well, who are they? They are our attorneys. They are the law firm that has been with us for over a decade. If I can just share one quick story, when there was um, a young black man that went to Harvard, and when he came out of Harvard, he was from Philly, the Germantown area. He wanted a job. He he was, I think he might have been number one in his Harvard uh, law school. He tried to get a a lawyer's job here, and every law firm said no, because they would not hire a black man to be a lawyer. Dilworth Paxson picked him up. And so, you know, when I have regard, do I have great regard for them? Yes, I do. And they have really taught me and, and represented how you give your time, 
your treasure, and your talent. And then the other um, uh, person, I want you to understand it. I went to University of Penn. I went to Morgan State University. Hey, hey, for the HBCUs. And then I came to the University of Penn. But um, who we're going to honor is Drexel. And because Drexel has absolutely done a great job in giving back to the black community, you don't get to sit there as an education institution and doing other things and not giving back to the black community. They have absolutely put the money and the time and the resources in the black community where they are. They have done an amazing job, and I've worked with them in their encatchment um, area. And so, you know, I, I am so proud to recognize these individuals on December 8th, 1130 to 130. If anybody wants to get a ticket, please feel free to... Um, uh, go on, I think it's bit.ly2021 WMY, which stands for um, uh, Whitney Young. Madam President, I want to thank you so much for joining us in the pastor's office today. Uh, I want to thank you for your continuing advocacy on behalf uh, of our community. Uh, and I want you to know that Billy's favor. Man, I, I, you know, I grew up around Philadelphia. I pastor in Philadelphia. I've been here all my life. It's amazing to me that Philadelphia only has one FM gospel stage radio station left uh, that speaks to our community. But I'll tell you what, as long as we're here and we're going to be here, you have this platform. Uh, and whatever we can do to help you, whatever we can do to move the mission forward, all you've got to do is give us a holler, and we'll be right there for you. Uh, so, again, thank you for joining us today. Let's tell our listeners one more time how they can get tickets to the Whitney Young Luncheon this coming Wednesday, December 8th. Uh, we want yes, you to support. December 8th. So, so you can go on the website, which is bit.ly, bit.ly, 2021WMY. And if, if all else fails, just call the Urban League of Philadelphia. Just look us up and call us up. I know everybody would know if you call and say, I want to purchase a ticket, how do you do it? You know I'm going to answer that phone, and everybody else here will answer that phone, and we will do whatever we can to assist and help you. Absolutely. Madam President, Andrea Custis, thank you so much for being in the pastor's office. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Reverend. Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And we certainly want to thank our first guest today, the president and CEO of the Philadelphia Urban League, Ms. Andrea Custis. And remember, uh, the Whitney Young Luncheon is this Wednesday, December 8th. Make sure you get your tickets. Make sure you're there. Make sure you support this worthy endeavor as they continue to advocate uh, on behalf of our communities. Listen, let's take a turn. I always talk politics on this show. I always talk the state of Philadelphia. Uh, we always talk about the police and, and we talk about, uh, you know, what's going on in our community. Uh, I want to take a little pivot this afternoon with our second guest. And, uh, and I, I'm excited about it because how many of you knew that one of the great shows from our collective childhood has been rebooted? It's the Wonder Years. I used to watch the Wonder Years religiously. 
I used to watch it more than I read my Bible. Don't tell my parents. It was a great show. Fred Savage was the star. And the show was, well, it was his perspective on life. Uh, And I always enjoyed it. I really did. But now it's been rebooted. And guess what? The reboot is about a black family, a middle class black family in the 60s living in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, that's a perspective we really need to see. This show needs to run for the next 25 seasons. And, and, And one of our own, one of Philadelphia's own, is one of the stars of the Wonder Years. We wanted to bring him on this afternoon. He's no stranger to Philadelphia. Let's welcome into the pastor's office, Nakia Dillard. Nakia, welcome into the pastor's office. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, listen, we're excited to have you today. Talk to us, man. I mean, I mean, do, do you share this? I mean, obviously you're one of the stars of the show, but did you grow up watching the the Wonder Years? Yes, I did. So when when I got the call to audition for the show, I was really excited, man. And and then get to get the call that I booked it <laughs> was just like, wow, man. I, I could I can't even put it into words how I felt. And then when I got on set, guess who was directing? Fred Savage. Uh, Fred Savage. <laughs> Absolutely. So wait a second. The little kid that we watched. All of those years is now directing mm-hmm. it. What what caused them to take the spin of a black family in Montgomery, Alabama, in the '60s? So that was what was interesting to me when I saw the commercials. Yeah, same here. Because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know like how they came about with that. But it's needed, man. I mean, this this show is like something that families need. Um, like just watching the pilot. And just seeing the temperature of the show and just how wholesome it is. And that's TV that we just haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and that's. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. Yeah, that's why I said, well, you know, man, this needs to run for the next 20 years because, I mean, let's face it, when we really think about black families in the South in the 60s, you know, you know the visions that come to our mind, eyes on the prize and and police and dogs and, and, and mm-hmm. sit-ins at, at lunch counters and all of that stuff happened, no question, and, and as right. a result of it happening, we're standing on the shoulders of those folk who weren't afraid to do what they had to do to get rights for us today, but 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 you know what? There were middle-class families in the South. There were they families were. that were doing okay. I mean, tell us a little bit about the plot line and the role you play. Well, the role that I play, I play, uh, I play a guy named Lucius Clemens, and I, I basically, I play the father of the uh, the love interest of Dean, which is, uh, her name is Kisa Clemens. I actually was on the third episode, and you'll see me coming up in another episode, uh, I think it's the 13th episode. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun, man, just seeing how these kids, you know, just give you that nostalgic energy of just being kids in school, being bullied, being just having fun, like just different stuff, how they work through it, versus killing and fighting each other it's great to see yeah yeah. because we're we're, the stuff that's just been on has been so violent and i think that you know kids need to see kids families need to see families and i think they represent it well with the uh how they how they shoot 
in the storyline. Well, I tell you, you know what? Again, I'm excited. Uh, I love the show, and and it's Thank it's you. something that I'm certainly as as you continue to go forward, I'm going to make sure my sons watch it because you know my boys are 15 and 11, uh, and they just don't see okay. that kind of TV. Uh, and right, you know, I right. exposed my kids to BET so they could watch some of the retro stuff. I exposed mm-hmm. them to, uh, the TV land channel. And now my 11 year old comes home every day. He wants to watch happy days. So I know he's going to fall in love with the <laughs> wonder years reboot. It's going to be great, yeah. but we need that type of wholesome entertainment today in 2021. We definitely do. So, so, so. Listen, you're no stranger to acting. I mean, I mean, you've been in The Wire, you've been in Black Lightning. Uh, I mean, you've done a lot of work. But one of the things that was really, really of interest to me is your performing arts school. I mean, tell us a little bit about Aiken's Performing Arts. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a blessing, truly. You know, I started in 2009. It was out of the fact that it wasn't a lot of schools for uh, for kids. For our kids too, so so I started it because a lot of people was hitting me up about they wanted to take put their kids in in, in an acting school, and at the time um, I used to go to a school called Freedom Theater here in Philly, and Freedom Theater was closing up, so it wasn't really nowhere for anybody to go. So then I started the school, and it actually became very successful, man. I mean, like right now, I've gotten I would say over like a thousand kids, even adults, because we, we have adult classes too. But out of all of them, like I, I got their feet wet working on different projects. Literally, I just came back from Atlanta. I had two of my students that booked a, booked a role. They flew, they flew them down to Atlanta. They, um, they got paid <laughs> and they had a chance to be in a film right. in a whole nother state, you know? So I've had, uh, kids like i just had a kid recently he just booked a uh voiceover it was his first audition first job he's 11 years old and the job paid him eighty six hundred dollars can i can i refer my kids to you oh definitely (laughs) (laughs) definitely so so how so how do you find students like i mean if there's that young person who has that desire how do they get to you how do they find you well, they can uh, just follow me on Instagram, or or they can go to my website, um, which is a i k a n a c t s. So it's i can dot org, and um, yeah, they can follow me on there, inbox me. Um, but you know, and it's the thing too. Like I was an extremely quiet, shy kid, and if somebody would have tapped me on my shoulder and said, "Yo, you know, when you get older, you're going to be an actor," I probably wouldn't have believed it because it wasn't in my energy it wasn't in my spirit it wasn't around me i never saw an actor until i went to freedom theater you know so here i am over 20 years worth worth of uh experience of acting doing theater and now i'm on wonder years and did black lightning and to to see that in my future i didn't so sometimes i say hey if, if a kid is just interested whether they're quiet they're shy. They don't always have to be outgoing because a lot of actors are shy. I mean, look at Michael Jackson. That's right. You know, he tore the whiz up, but he was a shy guy, Absolutely. you know? So so I say just offer it. Offer it to all the kids just so they can see it. And um, you just never know. You just never know what's, what's burning inside of a kid. But just don't 
you know, a lot of a lot of parents, a lot of people will only give it to the ones that show that they're outgoing. But I was the exact different opposite of that. So I say just just offer it, just share it to them. Yeah, and especially in in 2021, you know, where our mm-hmm. kids are seeing so many negative images uh, yeah. on screen. Uh, you know, it's 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 a blessing to be able to. To, to, to realize that, you know what, you don't have to be what you see on the television screen. You don't have exactly. to be what, what, what folk are singing in these songs that portray mm-hmm. us in, in a negative light. I really applaud you for the work that you're doing with these young people. Now, when they come to your school, I mean, now, I just want to kind of dig into the experience a little bit. I mean, how long mm-hmm. is the matriculation? I mean, you know, what happens? How, how does it work? Well, it's a six-week class. Okay. And then we have a uh, 12-week class, and it's honestly up to the student. So basically, I have like a uh, messenger, like a Facebook messenger page Mm -hmm. where it's like a group page. So I put auditions and different things like that in there. So the kids or the adults have the opportunity to audition when when they feel like it. If they feel like auditioning, and they may have just started the class. Like, I'm not God. I can't tell him, oh, no, you just started, so you can't, <laughs> you know, book this. Like I said, the little kid, he's 11, and it was his first ever audition, and he ended up booking it. So I, I show them where the uh, opportunities are, but it's up to them right. to go for it. Right. But at least I show them what's happening. Absolutely. And how, is, how, how has the pandemic affected your school? I mean, I've got to imagine you've had to make some adjustments uh, to keep things yeah. moving. Yeah, I did. So originally we had a space where we would all meet. But since the pandemic, we went virtual. So now it's actually opened up and been extremely, uh, it's been good for us because now we don't have to hear the excuse of, oh, I got off work, traffic. This Now all they got to do is hit a button. Right. If you can't hit the button, <laughs> you don't want to act. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say something that's probably familiar to you. You've got greatness inside of you. I, I found as I researched you that you're going to be playing one of my heroes, one of my mentors, uh, Leslie Calvin Brown, Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how. Th- that's right. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. Oh man, now that right there. When I got that call, I literally, like, stopped and had to, like, collect myself (laughs) because I've literally been watching Les Brown for years. He's gotten me through so many um, obstacles and just, just his words of encouragement and then just being able to sit in front of him and and have a conversation and also him calling my phone. Right. (laughs) Every time he calls me. I look at the phone like, this is Les Brown calling me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm honored. Um, how it all happened was uh, I was doing a film in Atlanta, and a friend of mine, um, she had um, pulled me aside. She was on set. She said, hey, you know they're auditioning for uh, Les Brown. She's like, I think you'll be great for it. So I immediately sent it to my agent. She uh, set up the audition. I did the audition, and... Literally, I think I sent it in on a Thursday. Got the call on a Monday that I booked it. Wow! Wow! And um, yeah, man, it was it was something that. <laughs> 
something that I like I prayed on. It just uh the fact that it's happening is is just amazing, man. You know. And you know what, man? You know when you think about it, and and I know you're, you know, you've done your research, and like you said, he's gotten you through a lot. But this is a guy that's beaten back cancer on multiple occasions. Uh, folk, yeah. were, folk were writing his obituary, and he's like, "No, no, no, I'm not going anywhere." <laughs> and 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 he, every time he's come back stronger. Uh, I'll share this story with you. I, uh, uh, in 2007, um, I was running for international president of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, shouldn't have been doing it. I was in my early thirties, but I was running against an incumbent president because I wanted to, uh, and Les (laughs) came to Charlotte, North Carolina to our convention and campaigned for me as an honorary member, walked around with me. And you know what? You know what he told me? And this I'll never forget this. He said to me, you're not going to win this election. I said, why? He said, because you don't look like a president. You're not walking up to everybody and shaking their hand. You got to feel yourself in the role before you get the role. Man, that thing has stayed with me. And and in 2013, I did lose that election. But in 2013, (laughs) I actually won. And you know why? Because of that advice that he gave me about how to conduct and carry myself. Man, I can't wait to see this film, man. You are literally going to be playing one of my heroes. Mine too. (laughs) Yeah, man. man, I can't wait for it to get moving again. Like we did the trailer, but we're we're still trying to work on the, the schedule. But I'm excited. I'm really excited, and I can't wait for the world to see it. Excellent, excellent. Well, man, listen, we are just, it's its good talking to you, good getting to know you, uh, and we are we are excited about the work that you are doing. I mean, you're one of Philadelphia's own, and that's one thing we like to do in this show, uh, is we like to highlight the folks that are of us and from us, mm. uh, and yeah. working in this city and doing great things. So, we applaud all that you're doing. I want to, again, uh, before you go, just give us the contact information information before you're performing art school because I want our listeners to know if you got a budding, burgeoning young actor or actress, we need you to send them over here. Give them the information one more time. Sure. It's just ICANN, which is A-I-K-A-N-A-C-T-S dot org. Or you can call 215-324-0632. And you can follow me on Instagram at Nakia Dillard, which is N-A-K-I-A-D-I L-L-A-R-D, and uh, I Can X at I Can X on Instagram. Outstanding. Well, Nakia Dillard, thank you so much for joining us. All the best as you move forward. We're going to be keeping you in prayer, and if you ever need us, all you got to do is call. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, too. Thank you again. God bless. Take care. About the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah.